have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Those are really great words uh, related to the kind of week that we've had uh, in our country. And uh, in fact, I think we should just all right now, just with you, do this with me, take a nice deep breath. Let it go. And realize that we all have a pit in our gut right now, right? We've seen not just the, I hate to use the word facts, we have a lot of things that have been thrown around back and forth, and in that there's a lot of pain being felt. Um, personally, I feel pain because we as a church want to always take very seriously any charges of physical or sexual abuse because too often, and I can tell you what, the church, we pay extreme insurance because there are those churches who have not paid attention to things that are going on, and they have had actually workers in the church or people in the church who have been the perpetrators of sexual or physical abuse, and it's been ignored and passed on. And right now we're all paying for it because the ignoring of that has done damage far beyond what you can imagine. Personally in ministry, uh, have dealt with women and men, girls and boys who've been physically or sexually abused. And you right now could be sitting there saying, I'm one of those people or you're grappling with and have never said a word in the testimony and the things that are going on drag up a lot of hurt and pain for you and there is the public venue of, of opinion and if you're like me uh, maybe you're not like me I find that I believe people according to who believes my partisan side of politics and especially when there's not enough facts to deal with what's really going on and I don't really believe the this is me personally that uh, any sorts of looking into and things is going to change much, nor is it going to change opinions. I also personally, in one case and situation, uh, recall someone who was going through the trauma in their life and early in their working through that misnamed somebody. And I remember the pain that that caused the person who had been misnamed and then later as they worked through it further, uh, the individual who had experienced the trauma uh, said that wasn't true. Not because they were lying, but because of the trauma was, that was there, had to finally identify who and what really had gone on in their lives. And that's how deep this can be, is that both memory, but also just the in, inability or willingness to share those things. So you, you pour all that over the fact that we have a country that's divided. We, in this room, have people who sit on both sides of believing in whichever party or beyond the two parties that are there, and you charge that with social media by which people give opinions and begin to get angry. And I found myself, as I would watch different news channels, is they would report these things we all know in fact and never report the other parts and vice versa. And what grew in me was a deeper ache and pit in my gut because I don't know. And I don't want to pretend I know. But I do want people who've been sexually or physically abused to be heard. And I also don't want partisan politics and other things and power and control to use people. And at the end of the day, I'm realizing more and more that our country continues to lack for leadership on any end of this equation. My frustration with the parties even my own has been so deep that I don't know who I matter at most of the time, forget this week. 
I just don't sense that we have a real moral compass that exists, whether it's in Hollywood or in our politicians or anyone else, not to use people as we've seen two people at least use this week, if not more, and I think it will go on. And even saying that, I'm not trying to say I know anything or I have an opinion at this moment. I, I do, but does that help if we start arching our backs up and throwing things out at one another? So as Christians, and I think it fits well today because the whole issue of today, and if you want to pull out your bulletin notes, is really saying that, that uh, churches, companies, countries rise and fall on leadership. So when we see a lack of leadership going on in the day of Nehemiah, when we see a lack of leadership that is owned by all of us today, don't just point fingers elsewhere, it's a lack of leadership being experienced. I hear more stories from people about their frustration where they work because there is no communication, there's no leadership. I see that in, in terms of families, we see that in terms of our own country, our state, as people are flinging things back and forth, what's lacking and what God has created to be good is leadership. And Nehemiah, him and himself, as he's working with, we can do more together. You know how much I want to just swing my arms and knock these over? I'm sorry. Just to make effect, I'll try not to. But you know how much they're crying out in the day that Nehemiah is, is for leadership. Now, if you have your Bible open in Nehemiah 5, 1 to 19, either in your Bible app or uh, in your own Bible, or if you have a pew Bible there, it's page 401. I'm going to kind of try to touch the, the wave tops here. You heard uh, Jenny read it earlier, and, and what one of us wants to have to say the word Artaxerxes, so, you know, blessings to you on that one. Um, but, you know, as we had that read today and we see what Nehemiah is dealing with, I think you and I can personally take that into our own lives and perhaps apply how we, as Christians, speak into the hurt and the pain of those in our lives who need help and assistance and how we speak into even our disagreements over whether it's politics or situations or things that are going on today. And frankly, if everything rises and falls on leadership and we believe that each person and we do more together is that as we together speak a voice that is not off the rails but speaks in a calm and firm in a way that is both God-fearing and also in a way that speaks to situations that we ourselves can influence. So if you're looking at Ephesians 5, uh, 1 to 19, now conflict is inevitable who knew when we put out this sermon series we would have that today? Growth is optional. And so if we look at this, and I'm going to kind of slide through, as you see, uh, they had, this was all rolling around financial needs. But you know the emotions. You know yourselves the emotions that go around when finances aren't good. In marriages, when finances aren't good, it's one of the, one of the bigger pieces of what causes trouble and stress between couples. It's one of the bigger areas between parents and children. It's one of the areas of life where if we don't have a handle on that or if we have outside pressure on, on that situation. And so uh, if you, you can read along, but I'm just going to touch what I have here in the bulletin because this is what was going on. In the first verse that we find out they're fighting over money. So, you know, it's, it's uh, not the old saying of the, of the marriage vows, till death do us part, it's till debt do us part. They were frustrated, they were angry. There was a shortage for basic human needs. 
So what they're saying is, is that we're, we're having to do and we're dealing with this aspect that we just need to get grain that we might eat and stay alive. Verse 3, that they just to eat, they have to sell the necessities of life. They're mortgaging their fields, their vineyards, their houses because of what's going on. Verse 4, they're borrowing money just to pay their taxes. Isn't it interesting because right now the IRS wants to make sure to get paid. They will take credit cards. They don't care whether you can afford your taxes or not. You're going to pay them, right? With 2.75% added on, by the way. But, you know, those taxes are real, and no matter what circumstances, you can't call the IRS and say, I got no money. We want our taxes. And it goes to the point in verse 5 where it says, Now is flesh of our flesh, and, and children, our fathers and brothers and children, we're forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves, to be enslaved because we don't have the money. So they were mortgaging their future away. And we see how challenging that is today. You know, there's been a long time in the United States where we've kind of expected our children to take care of us. The best I've gotten out of my children is Ben, who keeps saying, remember, treat me well because I'm choosing your nursing home. That's the most I've gotten out of my kids. But, you know, but we've, what our expectation has been is that, you know, children will help us. And many times with an agrarian society, a lot of you, if you were born on farms and places, you know this would happen. You had lots of kids because this was not only the, the, the fruit of God, but this was the blessing to keep the place going. As you had plenty of family and workers, you were in that together. Now, what's changed is we've shrunk the family, but we've also seen such a shrinking and changing going on that many of our, uh, our own children are finding themselves struggling. They're in debt up to their noses with college debt, trying to find jobs in the midst of the market that we currently have, and with many of us working beyond what used to be considered retirement age. And when, instead of them helping us, we're, it's all reversed. We're helping our children still after they reach the age of adulthood. And so Nehemiah is troubled by this. Remember, we've, we've gotten a sense of, of Nehemiah already. He's not someone who hears a problem and says, somebody's got to deal with this. Nehemiah takes these things very personally. He did it in chapter 1 when they told him about the wall, a place he'd never been. And he said, I'm going to go in there, and I need to do something. And after prayerfully considering, he went to, goes to the king, and the king releases him, gives letters, and gives him the power and ability and authority to go and build the wall. Now, in this case, he's not going to say that's tough. He did not enact new legislation what he does, it says, verse uh, 6, he says, I was very angry. So who does he talk to? He sits down with the nobles, the officials, and the bankers, and he says, what we're doing is not right. Here we're trying to get our own family, our own house in order. And if you look at verses 6 and following there, he says, how can we be doing this thing that we're putting people in such a position that they're even putting their children in slavery? They're selling their children to get by, that they would eat from you and they would be able to feed us by selling our own children. He says, the thing that you are doing, verse 9, is not good. Ought you not to walk in the fear of our God to prevent the taunts of the nations and our enemies? I mean, we're saying to these people, we are God's people. This is what we are doing together. We do more together, and yet what we are doing is we are sticking it to one another on the side. 
And that's the danger of leadership. That's the danger of life. And this is the thing about standing up and doing something. We can complain about what's happening, but are we stepping into the lives of people who are hurting? It's one thing to stand up in a political arena or on the media and say, this is not right. Are there those who are willing to step into and help those who've been abused sexually or physically? Are there those who are there to help those who are hungry or only speak about the hungry? Are there, are there those who are wanting to speak about the great debt of college and yet stepping in with students to see, do you need to be in this and accumulating debt? Or are there other pathways that will take care of you? If you're like me, I'd rather complain about people, although it sounds usually pretty pious and good, than engage with people believing that they can do more if they would just get on the ball. People who haven't gotten their houses finished after Harvey, what's wrong with them? Why would we? I mean, you could ask that question. Why would we be going in? I mean, do they really need our help? Are there, the, are there reasons? There's thousands of homes. What is it their situation for a widow who perhaps has been on Social Security and had no means and had no insurance? Are there reasons that a family with two kids who were barely making it before were completely overwhelmed and had nowhere to go but to stop and look and, and sit. Am I angry when I see somebody who's still sitting on the same furniture with the same moldy, wet walls, or do I feel the need to help? Nehemiah pressed on them, and he presses on us today. Why are you taking advantage of those who are in need? Now, unless we think this is just a level of civil circumstances, he takes on the priests as well, the spiritual realm. And he says, and he called the priests and made them swear to do as they promised. And he says, look, I'm going to shake out the folds of my garments, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But think about this, you know, sometimes I don't have money. My wife doesn't let me have much. So if I have it, that my, my children still come in and look for my wallet and take it. So it's hard for me to shake out much of anything. But, you know, the change in the pockets, it'd be like us taking our pockets and rolling them out and saying, you know, I, I, I'm giving everything. I'm looking at the whole situation. I'm digging deep in terms of what we need to gather. So it's not just the bankers and the leaders of this country, but it's also the spiritual side and asking them, as we're going to restore people, will you be encouraging people to be the people of God? Will you be calling on those who believe in the Lord to be doing more together to help those who are in the greatest need? Do we believe that the mission of God is to bring those who are far from God to be in a relationship with God, or are we leaving it to someone else? The biggest pressure, I think, on all of us as the church today is to realize, and I'm anxious to hear more from Mark and Laura as they do their Bible class and as we support and encourage and pray for them, because the number of churches per capita has drastically shrunk don't even think about the fact of how many more people we have per capita for what we even had has shrunk. And we're losing four to 500 churches per year that are closing their doors, and probably there's more than that that should have that will maybe next year. How do we reach people if we're not present with them 
And those who know more than I do indicate that it would take planting more than a thousand per year to make up for just the deficit we're already in. Or at least to stay level. A thousand churches a year. How in the world is that going to happen? That's a God thing, but it's God pressing on our hearts his mission to reach the lost, his mission to bring through new and through the churches that exist to say, we care about the people who will not walk in our doors. And they may not walk in our doors because they were either emotionally abused, sexually abused, physically abused, because it happened with the auspice of, of people who were tied to the church. Not even the church, but those tied to the church. They're afraid and afraid. And, and fearful. There are those who've been disconnected because their parents' parents stopped going. Do they matter? Nehemiah would pull open his garments and shake them out and say, are we going to do something, priest? Are we going to jump into doing something here? And so what he offers is his own transparency. He says, listen, if you don't believe it, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I've been doing. And I appreciate this out of Nehemiah because usually when you get to a point where you're so high in the system, you deserve something, right? You deserve the pay. You deserve the car that they give you when you walk out. They fill it with gas. You know, you get to those points. The free pool you bought, Ursula and I. I mean, the, the hot tub you gave us. Oh, not really. Not really. Okay. That's, shouldn't have gone there. We deserve... You know, if you call a hot tub a baptismal font, it becomes a whole different thing. I don't like to take care of stuff, so I'm not going to get that anyway. But, you know, we, we have that dessert. And he says to them, he says, listen, I get a food allowance. I haven't taken one bit of the extra per diems that I get because I care about people. Will you? He says, I'm living off what I've been receiving, I'm not taking the raises. I'm not taking these things. You know why? Because I care about the people. How about you? It's a calling and inviting, join me where I'm also showing. It's not an arrogance, but it's a showing and saying, let's be transparent. Let's live out servanthood. If I receive these things and my company's good enough to give it, how do I, out of the riches that God has given, give back in terms of the mission of God? How do I give back in terms of my life? How do I give back in terms of my time? And Nehemiah's transparency shows that, and his whole concern is this, he doesn't even care what they think. He says, I'm seeking what God thinks. And I think that's a question each one of us has to wrestle with. Who is our audience? Who do we care about what they think about us? And Nehemiah says, let's live to an audience of one. It's going to have a great impact on the rest of the people watching in, but he says that he's, live, he's living out for an audience of one. That he cares about that, and he says, in fact, in verse 14, remember for my good, oh my God, what I've done. He is seeking what God would call him to do and to be. Is that how you and I work? Is that our motivation? I think if we're really serious with ourselves, we have to say at times we seek people's approval, their applause, a little pat on the back. And somewhere in there I say, oh God, yeah, what, what did you want me to do again? 
are we con continuing to see as a congregation, as the church of God, that we're going to get that right, first of all, in our own families. As we manage our own funds, frankly, this is an area of our life that many of us have struggled with, managing our own funds. It's so easy when under stress to use spending to feel better. Or we've lived in circumstances with our own parents and circumstances where we had it all and we felt like we needed to get it all. Or we've managed our funds to, again, because there's areas of the world where you want to look like something in other parts of the country. And we are so blessed to have uh, the kind of uh, prices and, and things which do allow a lot of people to own homes. But I've been places where house prices are like this, and I've asked pastors, how do your people do it? And they've said, you know, it's painfully true. California was the first time I heard this from a pastor. He said, our, our people buy homes and they live on cots. And part of it is just the pure prices of homes, and the other part is they buy up to look like something, but they'll never let anybody come in. They don't want them to see the card tables and the cots. Who, as the church, do we believe that we manage both our funds but also who we are as a congregation, that we're focusing on what Jesus focused in terms of people in need versus our own, that it's God's mission and that we encourage one another to use our gifts and not be driven by money or debt. You know, in this congregation, you know, let's just think about this. We want to keep that mission straight, which means right now, of course, we've said we can do more together. And I thankfully say to you that we've gotten our debt down to 281000 because we don't want to be putting that on the next generation. We don't want to be putting debt as our lead piece, but to have the funds available that we've been spending to put it into what God is doing here, that we can invest that in our campus to be a place which people are drawn into and that we are a people who continue to go out and do more and do new. Nehemiah says he shakes out his robe. Can we shake out our robe today and say we're joining Jesus in that mission? It might be for some of us to give for the first time to the work of God, or it might be to take it from when we give occasionally to giving regularly. It might be something for us is to just set it up as a, a weekly bill pay and make that part of our discipline and who we are because we believe what God is doing. It might be joining in with Mark and Laura in going over to another place, short time or long time. It may be another way as we say yes to helping in the Sunday school because we believe that children matter. It may be saying yes to helping out as a, as a teacher. It may be saying yes to showing up when we have our special events here with our October gathering of kids, with the ice day and those things. We say yes not because it fills our needs, but because we see the mission of God at work. All this, I think Nehemiah is a little bit of a type of Christ. Christ shook out his robes in this way he took on our sin. Christ shook out and said, can we give it all as he gave himself? Christ saw you and me, no matter what hurts we may be carrying, similar to what we talked about before, or we may be carrying just as deeply, but something else in our lives. And Christ shook out his robes. He showed himself and gave himself because you matter and people matter and God cares about the world and God cares about the people you know who walk in pain.
Don't know what the answers are going to be for our country in the next weeks. But no matter what comes out of that, what we know is that if we really are a church that cares, then we are watching for the needs of people as Christ is watching for us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do pray for our country in these polarizing times and the pit in our own stomach over what's been going on. And knowing that, too, because of this being human beings, this is not going to come to probably our best conclusion either way. There's going to be an unsettledness either way. So we pray, Lord, that we would be the kind of leaders, we would be the kind of people who can affect and impact right where we live. It could be certainly through voting, but it's certainly also through the way we lead our lives. Watch for the hurting and ourselves engaging where they are at as Jesus engages with them and us. Bless us, Lord, that we can be in every situation the people of God. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. We rise.